Eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, good to be with you. We're here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. That sniffing and sniffling you hear is April D. Gregory. Fingers Malloy just got back from the gym, and can I say, you are looking as fit as ever. Svelte. Thank you. Svelte is, is nice. Nice way to go about that. Lost you, 33 pounds in three days. That's, oh that's not true. Is that Atkins? Or? But you got, you got sucked into the gym. Your daughter, your daughter sucked you into the gym? Yeah. She's like, uh, listen, you're, you're no spring chicken anymore, and uh, I see what you post on Instagram. Uh, your diet choices are terrible, and I'm worried that your heart's going to pop like a zit. So we need to go to the gym, and you need to eat better. So I had a sandwich wrap uh, that was made from a spinach tortilla. Oh, did you? And but you know, I if it has like eight pounds of ranch on it, that's going to negate anything that happened at the ranch gym. Ranch is fine for you. Yeah. Totally healthy. If it wasn't healthy, they wouldn't put it on Doritos. There you go. That's science. Oh, that is science right there. Science. Yeah. So can I say he? It, one day at the gym, he's already cranky. He's glowing. He's already. He's, he's not that sweat. That's not glowing. That's that's. that's re- In my world, we call that glowing. Glowing is like what pregnant women do. Are you a pregnant woman? No, and, and the idea that I'm cranky is ridiculous. And screw you both. Let us get to the <laughs> bourbon, my dear people, because uh, we. You guys do, are both honorary today. It's something I just else. walk in and it's. The bourbon, my kids, is called rare perfection. I believe this is the first time we have done a Canadian whiskey. The rare perfection story is that uh, the barrels were put in a distillery. The distillery was sold off. The barrels were forgotten in the back of the warehouse. Left to age in the cold Canadian air. Fifteen years later, these barrels were discovered. That's the story behind Rare Perfection. I have no idea if it's true or not. What I do know is that they were bottled at a cask strength of 119.7 proof. And the suggested retail price of this bottle is $169. Get out. Wouldn't lie to you about such a thing, right? So you take a look at this. We do it the same way. We always do it neat, and then we transfer it to a cube or to chips, depending on how uh, uh, we, we feel here. Now, I haven't. It's, it's, a, it's a really a beautiful kind of golden color, a little deeper, I should say, more of an amber uh, than a golden. But April D. Gregory was not a fan of the nose, but she has a cold, so she might not be able to tell. Have you ever sampled a Canadian oh. whiskey before? It uh, smells like medicine, and I think I would know since I have a cold. Like you, alcohol. Have you been like doing NyQuil? Rubbing alcohol. Have you been doing the NyQuil, the day quills, any of the quills? No, I don't do any of that Quill from stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy, anyone? Cocaine quill? That's not a thing. It makes you sniff. Uh, it, does have a, it does have a medicine-type nose to it. Have you ever sampled a Canadian whiskey like this before? I have not. The typical way to sample a Canadian whiskey... You're making this up. ...is you, you take a deep breath in. Right. Then you exhale, and then you drink... And you do the, do the Memphis Munch. Go back to you. You, you swallow, you inhale, and then as you exhale, you go, no! <laughs> A lot hey. of people don't know that. Hey, that was some great whiskey. <laughs> Not a McKenzie Brothers reference? <laughs> Nothing. You went no. right to that. Totally do right. <laughs> I have no idea what that just happened. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, this is... Um, if everyone could please silence their cell phones before we begin, that'd be great. The, the nose is strong. Um, I'm trying to figure out what you can get outside of this besides the, the medicine. I hate to say this. Do you get a little bit of maple syrup on this? No. 
No. You? A little maple? Um, There's probably, because it's... A little bit of floral, but I don't get maple at all. Um, the palette is supposed to uh, be caramel um, and uh, and toasted coconut. I haven't I haven't tried it yet. You toasted haven't tried it yet. coconut. Toasted coconut. I that's what they say. Wow. I, I'm going to check. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Are we doing this? All right. So this is the rare perfection. 169 dollars is the suggested retail price. Here we go. Am I doing this even though I'm still on my diet? No. (laughs) Okay. There's a couple things happening. You're, oh, April, you all right? (laughs) She looks like she just got some bad white claw. Oh, my Um, God. Okay, I'm not going to say that there's any coconut. I'd have no way of knowing. There is a great bit of, you know, we talk about floral on the nose. I think there's floral on the taste. There is. I'm getting floral and a uh, hint of caramel. And burn. All I got was burn. It, is, it, it does not smell like syrup. It is syrupy. It is thick. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't believe you don't like this. This is worth it. I didn't say I didn't like it. Well, your face said it. April's face said, why am I still a part of this podcast? Exactly. This is, this is all right. I don't know if I'm going to cube this thing. I am. Are you really? Yeah. Um, I want to maybe I want to see if you feel it differently. I've got a, a nice chip here that I might go for. I'll let it sit for a minute. Um, I can't tell you that's worth one hundred sixty nine dollars, but I can tell you that there's a couple things happening there. There is a thickness that's happening. There's a floral that's happening. There is a bit of caramel uh, that's happening as well. There's a couple. Of, anytime you can get a couple of flavors and you can play with it a little bit, better than a single tone monotonous trash. This is not. This is far from it. Huh. This is the rare perfection. 15-year cask strength right here. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's corn, wheat, and malted barley distilled in Canada. Let us go to guns because, you know, if we're going to drink Canadian whiskey, we can't have it totally infiltrate us. we got to remain American. I don't know if that's even science. So as we are recording the podcast today, they had this rally in Virginia, in Richmond, Virginia, over gun rights. And CNN is devastated to learn that white supremacists did not show up and start shooting up the place. There are actually Second Amendment supporters of all colors and all creeds and all styles in Virginia, and they're sick and tired of being put upon and oppressed. So regardless of where you are on on guns, what happened in the media with this story is what's awful. Is what's here is this is an actual headline from CNN on their on their screen. Pro gun rally ends peacefully despite fears of extremist violence. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know how hard you have to try? You know how much you have to hate people? And this, more than anything else, is the story. So you, you have Governor Ralph Northam, right, and, and the and the rest of the delegation there, the rest of the Democrats who took control of Virginia, they now have control because people move in to work in Washington, D.C. They live in Virginia and they take over, right? It's not that Virginia is not any less conservative. Just talking about demographics, it's that more and more people work for the government, they move there and they get to vote. That's what's happened. So you've, you've got the, the legislature that is now Democrats, and they're like, this is our moment. We're going to go after guns. We want to institute red flag laws. We want to institute universal background checks. We want to uh, 
limit guns to one purchase a month, and then we want to limit rounds in, in, in magazines, which I think they're still calling clips because they don't know anything, right? And, and Virginia has fought back, and they've said, we're not doing this. And they started the Sanctuary City movement, and they started creating Second Amendment, Second Amendment Sanctuary Cities, saying, we're not going to pay attention. The, we, the law says we are allowed to keep and bear arms. We're doing just that. This has gone like wildfire across Virginia. And then they decide to have this rally. Governor Northam decides, oh, well, the the FBI and the CIA have told us that there have been, not the CIA, the FBI, I forget who else, there have been threats, threats against uh, the people of Virginia. So no guns on the Capitol because that's where they're going to have the rally. Tens of thousands of people showed up. Tens of thousands of people showed up. There's an Indiana state representative, Jim Lucas, who went down. Uh, Cam Edwards, who's been on this show, who's the editor of BearingArms.com, he went down. They, they both called into my radio shows today. They were like, yeah, it's fine. This is great. A lot of people. Cool things happening. And talked about it. And, and one of the points that, that was made is that it's not about, oh, my gosh, there's this tyrannical action happening in, in Virginia. Because none of these things are law. It's that people are trying and the, the, these elected officials are trying. And the people are standing up. Now we have two stories, right? Because everyone thinks this is a Second Amendment and and a gun rights story. Of course it is. But this is a story about what the people are doing, which is fighting back against an oppressive government. And then there's the story of how the media wants to cover anybody who doesn't fit their narrative. This is the maybe outside of impeachment and maybe equivalent to impeachment. This is the biggest narrative story in America. And that's why I keep calling CNN the cable narrative network because of that headline. Right, I, I, it, that's a lot more creative than fake news. Yeah, thank you. Props to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, it's getting out of hand, and I don't know how it's going to stop as we move forward into this election and and past twenty twenty. We're we're becoming more and more divided and much more comfortable in our bubbles. So. You know, when you're getting your news from Fox, you you think most people are conservative, MSNBC, okay, they're liberal. But but CNN, it just is, it's so disappointing because, I mean, they still continue to act like, oh, we're just playing it right down the middle. And and clearly, you want one of the other headlines they did? Oh, sure. Did did you see? I'm going to turn the computer around. It says Virginia gunfight. Uh, and so this is all the lower third. So in red, on the top left, or I should say right above where it says the main, the main lower third thing, it says Virginia gunfight. And then it says two dead, 15 injured in Kansas City shooting. So this was after the Chiefs beat the Tennessee Titans. There was a shooting at a bar in Kansas City. Two people died, 15 people were injured. They applied that to a photo that I don't even know has anything to do with Virginia. And that, might, that might have been from Charlottesville you know, two years ago where Heather Heyer died and she didn't deserve to die at all. And so look at that mix of what they've done. Kansas City uh, shooting, which has nothing to do with, with lawful gun ownership. And they're talking about what's going on in Virginia. And there's no gun battle in Virginia. Yeah, so they used to play on words to say Virginia gunfight and then two people dead, 15 injured somewhere else. Yeah, but there's no narrative so going it, on. Yeah. Right. But is there is there any way we're going to get news back to the way it used to be and i'm not no. saying that we're we're going to have uh you know even back in 30 40 years ago you knew there was kind of a bias but they they pretended to play it both there's no pretend anymore right, but you do this for a living you think that you think television news comes back cable news comes back to, to unbias no I, I, how like they're not just all going to suddenly realize that they're 
being biased. Like they're not going to suddenly stop being biased. They think they're not. And as their views continue to get more and more progressive, they're still going to be inflicting their personal views on their reporting. It's never going to go back to the way it was. I think a part of it too is journalism school has changed where it feels like journalists now when they, they, they want to become part of the story, they're storytellers and they're, they're and part of journalism now seems to be being encouraged that it's crafting a narrative. Well, yeah, which which headline's the best? Which headline gets you the most retweets? How many times can you be retweeted and get more followers because you have a great headline that or what how that's exactly what they do now with Twitter. They inflict themselves into the story or jump too soon to report a story because they can get more attention to themselves if they do that. But so it's, it's just not going to But it's going to be interesting to see how they report on sanctuary cities when it comes to the second amendment versus sanctuary cities when it comes to ICE. And right. So let's at least, let's at least be clear. The thing that they support is the thing that's illegal. If you support sanctuary cities based on illegal immigrants, you're supporting something that is breaking the law. If you support sanctuary cities a la the second amendment, you support the constitution. It's not. There's not even debate here. I'm not even talking about your politics. Just on its face, prima facie, it's right there in the words. So it can't. It, 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 they have to now spin the legal as illegal and the illegal as somehow moral. And that's they've been doing this for years, right? That's that's a a, a, a politically left thing that has been happening for years within culture. But now it's so apparent. And your point, April, of them putting themselves in the story, right? They're, they're, they're infecting the story. They're, in, they're, they're implementing themselves, pushing themselves into the story. I think that happened long before Jim Acosta, but I think Acosta made it famous, right? Acosta made it, oh, this is how you get attention. Mm-hmm. You make yourself the story. I'm talking yeah, I mean, about Jim Acosta just from be CNN. A byline in, in the newspaper or, or another guy reporting on TV or whatever. But now it's, you can right. get your the own personal is fame the out of it. Yeah. You're, right. you're a personality. I, I disagree slightly. I, it seems to be more of a press corps, uh, a White House press corps thing. I mean, I'm, you and I are both old enough to remember Sam Donaldson. I mean, Sam, but at least Sam Donaldson would, would he would make himself part of the story, but he would go after Republicans and Democrats. Where now it's it seems like with Jim Acosta, uh, you know, will he be taking a nap over the next four or eight years if we have a Democrat succeed uh, Donald Trump? That's where it's like it, it seems different to me, and it seems a lot worse with the White House press corps than anywhere else. This gun story, how it's been reported, how it's being shared, how it's being discussed. First, uh, just so we're all clear, I, I, I don't ever really speak for the for all three of us. Uh, so supporters of the Second Amendment, without question, it goes without saying, and I am sometimes stunned by the people who are opposed because you can be opposed for yourself. It's a weird thing to be opposed for others. It's one thing if you don't want to carry a firearm. It's another thing if you think I'm somehow a terrorist for carrying a firearm. Mm-hmm. In, in, there's a supermarket chain called Kroger. And, and it, some people have them, some people don't. You, you have your own supermarket chain. Um, but there was a push to tell Kroger not to allow people to open carry inside the Kroger. Now, I could tell you the amount of times I've actually seen somebody open carrying who isn't a police officer is maybe a, half a dozen times in my entire life. But if your reaction to seeing a gun is to go yelling, screaming, crying from the store, you're doing it wrong. It's guns are the only thing in America where we teach people do not have a logical thought, just immediately go into panic mode. No. Everything else. Snakes also. 
Well, that's legit. It's a <laughs> snake, man. Well, what are your thoughts on open carry? I mean, forget about whether it should be legal. I mean, just what are your thoughts on it? In oh, general? I think it's a bad idea. I think open carry is a bad. Listen, I am a guy who would love to carry a via shoulder holster. That's, that's exactly the way I want to do it. It would be most comfortable. It's too visible. I'm not going to put it out there because when you open carry, you make yourself the target. Everybody knows where you are. I much prefer concealed carry. I much. I, I think it's a much better situation. Now, the fact that I can't really find a holster that makes me happy, I can't find a holster that I'm comfortable with. I'm a waistband guy, but you I want would, a garter holster. I, I, I would. <laughs> I, I'm not shy, you know. But I don't want to have to wear those like cargo pants and do so the breakaway. Leg. And no, I'm not gonna. Sh- first of all, settle down. You get a <laughs> you get a cold. You get a little randy. I ever tell you that. One sip of bourbon and listen to her. Right, two sips and fingers is just going to be all over me. Settle down. Fingers That's true. You work Can't out one myself. time, you're not going to get That's me. Right. You're not going to get me just that easy. You're going to do that for at least a week. You show some pecs. <laughs> no. No. So, so, what are you trying to say? <laughs> first things. So so first things first. It, it's it's madness uh, to to tell somebody they shouldn't be allowed their rights. It's madness. Uh, that's that's the top line of the story. The way they're attacking lawful gun ownership, legal gun owners, men and women, black and white. You know how many people were interviewed there who were black? Uh, and uh, uh, they called it a white supremacist rally because of what happened in Charlottesville two years ago because that was white supremacists. These were gun owners. And there's a big, big, giant difference. And if you don't understand that, well, then you're... You're purposely, willfully, wantonly ignorant. So why don't we just call those people ignorant? The people who said that if you were in, in Virginia, in Richmond, uh, for this gun rally, you're a white supremacist, those are ignorant people who shouldn't be allowed to drive. But that's where we are in, in well, 2001. That, that's what you're talking about is literally what a reporter said. A reporter for NBC News tweeted, anybody covering the, rally, the white nationalist rally in Virginia, I'm begging you, verify information before you send it out tomorrow. Uh, and he goes on to say, don't become a hero in neo-Nazi propaganda circles with made-up stuff. So he's calling these gun owners white nationalists and neo-Nazi propagandists. This is a reporter for NBC News. So let's, let's not think it's just CNN being... No, it's not like, right. It's everybody. So Well, you've got a portion of the progressive movement in this country who thinks anyone to the right of Nancy Pelosi is a freaking Nazi. Right, right. That's exactly how they think of Joe Biden. I'm sorry. That was a good joke. Screw you all. <laughs> it, it's true. Anybody, anybody who doesn't fall in line, anybody who doesn't fall in line is, is therefore labeled. And they want to live in this all or nothing world. Now, I'm not interested in the fight. I'm really and truly not. But I'm not going to be pushed around in, in, into their worldview. I'm thrilled by what we see in Virginia. I'm thrilled by the fight back. And it should be a fight back. And allow me to go a step further. No matter what law, anti-gun law they pass in Virginia, no one should pay attention to it. Force the police to break into your home and take your things. Force the police to arrest you. Force them to, to, to send out the National Guard. Explain to Governor Northam that it's one thing to say we have laws. It's another thing to tell people they don't have their rights. These are fundamentally different things. And yes, you have to stand up to this bigotry and you have to stand up to this violence because what the governor is trying to enact is violent, right? Telling people you don't have rights is violent. 
it's it's the it's based on this idea of why do you need this right why do you need so many guns why do you need an ar-15 then the question of need is the question of the tyrant anybody who ever asks you why do you need that's a tyrannical person trying to keep you from your rights why do you need an ar-15 why do you need a gun why do you need uh, four bedrooms in your house why do you need two cars why do you need an instapot who knows what they're gonna <laughs> what they're gonna ask you why do you need to have a cigar it's the question of need is the tyrannical question. And tyrants should never, ever be accepted or tolerated. So you, you've got the, the, the top line, right, which is the attack in the Second Amendment. You've got the story of, of, of how the media is playing this and how they, 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 they push narrative. And then, and then we got to get the, to the number three when we talk about uh, how, how the media is playing this. I have never been so happy to work in talk radio in all my life. It seems like we're the only people left having an honest conversation. It's the place to go. I actually think in this conversation, and maybe it's point two point five, but it, it, you know, instead of point three, it, it's that the more media does this, the more the news outlets do this, the cable news outlets. I think the more important social media and 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 talk radio become, because where else can you go? Where else can you go for an honest story? What what we just shared here on this podcast would be revolutionary on CNN. They would never do it that the people who showed up in this rally were normal people. They weren't white supremacists. And to, to make that claim is to try and paint all gun owners, just like we've seen from, from their headlines. You need... It's, I am still stunned that anybody is watching. Well, in every way. Well, where... Uh, if we had honest media in this country, why aren't people uh, questioning... Governor Al Jolson Northam in Virginia. Jeepers. What did you just say? <laughs> Blackface Al, uh, Ralph Northam. And, oh. and ask him, what, can, please show us the proof. You know, you keep talking about, you know, there's a, there's a, a credible threats uh, at, for this rally today. Where, where did you get those threats? And we, can we see some evidence other than you just telling us that? Because let, let's face it, you don't exactly have a long and good track record for credibility. Right. So, uh, you know, or, or, and can we see the, uh, the Chiron at the bottom saying uh, Governor Northam without proof states yeah. this? CNN always does that. Trump claims this. It's not true. <laughs> they do that all the time. Yeah. In little parentheses, not true. Fact check coming. <laughs> And all that jazz. Fact check CNN as they go along. I'm glad the rally happened. Uh, I, and I only got to hope uh, that, there, that there are more of them. You know? More people standing up for their rights. More people. You know, it, it, it's, it's Martin Luther King Day. And I, I, I was sharing the, the, the speech, you know, I may not get to the mountaintop with you. Uh, that, that speech, which was April 3rd, 1968. It was the day before he was assassinated. And one of the things he said is, when do we live up? When do we find that we live up to what we wrote on paper? Right? His point being that the Constitution says we have the right to assemble. We have freedom of press. We have freedom of religion. It says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. He's right. For all you could say about Martin Luther King, and there may be a hundred things to be said in a lot of different ways, when do we live up to what's on paper? And why is it that these, these people, these, these woke folk, think that they can push us around? The beauty of this story and the thing that isn't getting reported, you see, if this was the Women's March, it would be reported 24-7. If David Hogg had organized this, uh-huh. you know, um, it, it would be reported 24-7. This is, what ha- this is the people fighting back, and our media is silent. Our media, our mainstream media, our big money media is silent when the people are speaking. 
and that and that's why Brian Stelter is an unworthy man. That's why Rachel Maddow is an unworthy woman. Same with Chris Matthews. Same with Chris Cuomo. Same with Don Lemon. Same with uh, Brian Williams. Oh, by the way, Brian Williams was actually there when they signed the Constitution and Declaration <laughs> oh of Independence. True story. <laughs> he said so. It must be true. These, the, the Women's March happened over the weekend. And any woman who is still part of this bigoted, anti-Semitic mess should be ashamed. Please, don't tell me you're a strong woman. Trash. You are trash if you attend the Women's March. This is a failure of epic proportions put forth by bigots and hateful people. It's not feminism, April. So why'd you go? Why? Answer the question, I April. I want to show off my new pussy hat. Oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I crocheted it just for the... As sequins? Absolutely. You... A little glitter. Wow. Took a, took a rough turn right there. <laughs> it was where it did. But they've had one here in Indianapolis. I think like 25 people showed up. But they, but they talked about it like it was a, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like it was a big thing. And that is... And, and by the way, you... None of those women represent you, April. No, not a single one. They don't care that you exist at all. No. Well, I mean, and going back to narrative, when is the March for Life this year? And how how will that be reported versus uh, the Women's March? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they'll have, what, half a million people show up at the the March for Life? And you'll barely get a blurb (laughs) on the news about it, where if it's a rally with 25 people, holy smokes, stop the presses. This is this this gun story is just such a it's really powerful because it exposes so much and and and, and the media apparatchik never learns. Tomorrow Brian Stelter is gonna tell us why we're bad people and how, what a valuable job the press is doing. They're gonna keep telling us this. And I'm telling you, this the the, the, the websites that you go to for, for news, start supporting them. And, and the radio hosts you listen to, start supporting them. And the podcast that you like, start supporting them. Because it's the only bulwark there is. The bulwark isn't the bulwark. That's some garbage. That's right. I got it a bulwark dig. I feel pretty damn good if you ask me. <laughs> it's only nobody, Monday. Nobody knows who the bulwark is. Thank God. But we're it. Right? This, I mean, we have to support these things. And, and by the way, support the ones that, that, that keep it honest. I don't think you have to support, you know, ones pushing narrative. Support the ones just pushing the story. The actual story. This is where you say write a review. Oh, it, wait, wait. What do, I, what do I say here? Write a review. Five stars. Oh, subscribe to the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Is this where you say it? Yeah. Okay. I, I should have shown up to rehearsal. I apologize. You make sure, by the way, on Apple Podcasts, you write a review. Leave a five-star review for Eat, Drink, Smoke. Podcast is going great because of you. We want to keep it going. You want to keep it going. It is true, though. You gotta support the, the these people who are, well, the only people left having honest conversations. Because you can't today. If you ever needed any more proof that CNN cannot be trusted, today is it. MSNBC can't be trusted. Here's the best one. I cannot figure out. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the history. I say I cannot figure out. Of course, I can figure out. Gun restrictions came about through racism. As more and more black people were becoming free out of slavery, more and more gun restrictions came into place. How could it possibly be? How could anybody think that gun restrictions, gun uh, anything that prevents you from being able to protect and defend yourself, doesn't have its, its roots 
in a conversation about power. In one group being able to have power over another group and one group keeping another group from defending itself. Whether that be about race, you've heard me talk about it and write about it on religion. I'm Jewish. Jews who go to synagogue not armed are out of their minds. They're wrong. I won't even agree to disagree. They're wrong. Rabbis who say you shouldn't come armed are wrong. They should be fired or you should find a new synagogue. Same with churches. But how can any of those groups, black, Jewish, gay, pick your thing, think that having less rights and the ability to protect and defend yourself creates more value? It's impossible. So why is CNN on the side of people having less rights when, see, when they claim to be on the side of all those other groups? They never ask themselves the question. It never dawned on them to look at what it is that they're saying. And that's where it's really ugly because there is no, I guess some people might call it critical thinking, but there's no thinking. There's no understanding of history. All there is is a, a clutching of the pearls and saying, we must do something. Well, how does this work out? It doesn't. It, the answer is historically, it never works out. Well, our good friend Kurt Schlichter talks all the time about the elites versus the normals. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know we're talking about media elites. They don't understand why someone would need a gun or want a gun. They don't know what it's like to live in Detroit and worry about someone breaking into your home. You know, a lot of them live in gated communities or upper-class communities, so this this whole world that we're talking about is foreign to them. So I think that's part of the, the, the problem, the too. The anti-Semitism that we're seeing day in and day out uh, uh, being reported is out of New York. New York. Not Indiana. Not Tennessee. Not Wisconsin. Not Nebraska. New York. That's where they live. So why are they telling these people, these Hasidic Jews in New York, don't be armed? I've actually seen Jews make this argument. Don't fall into the trap. You don't need to be armed. Yeah. Yeah, you do. If people are coming after you with a machete, you damn well better be. You damn well better be. But your point, Fingers, is that the woke people, they're, they're above it all. Oh, you don't really need that. Oh, we just need to learn to love one another. Oh, we just need to learn to get along. Oh, what, what I think has happened, and I've said this about Shannon Watts before, who I consider a terrible person. She's opposed to people having a firearm and being successful with that firearm because it stops her from being able to say guns are bad, right? She's better off if you are a victim so she can push her narrative. You getting hurt, you getting maimed, you getting killed allows her to push her narrative. You going home to your family because you were able to stop the bad guy who was coming at you that goes against her desires, her wants. Her narrative is busted if you're alive. That's messed up. That is messed up. I mean, you're, Shannon Watts profits. And I'm not saying makes actual dollars. I'm saying through, through reputation and maybe through dollars. That I can't tell you. She profits off of people getting hurt to be able to move her message. She loses money or loses reputation. When people are able to protect themselves, when the shooter in, in, in the church in Texas is able to take the, the, the part parishioner or the security guy is able to take down uh, the shooter, she loses in that case. Do you know how messed up and backwards that is? That is messed up and backwards. That's some ugly stuff. I don't want to be any part of that at all. So we didn't 
get a review, a, a final review on this on this whiskey, this Canadian whiskey, the Rare Perfection 15 year. Fingers more, you have it on the cube. What say you? Um, I'm still not sure what to think of it because it was a the floral notes were a little too much for me. Right. Uh, but now that the... Not too much that you're not drinking doubles? Well, I mean, I'm not going to turn it away. No, because you know, you're an American. That's right. And I love me some Canada. Uh, but now that it's been on the cube, it's kind of taken some of those floral notes away. Uh, I, it, it's fine. I don't know if it's $169 a bottle fine, but... I'm going to argue that it's not $169 a bottle fine, but I'm going to argue that it's very, very good. There is a bunch going on here. I'm I'm enjoying uh, the, the the daylights out of it, and I did not put it on a cube. I did a couple of drops of, of, of cold water. I let the ice melt, and did a couple of drops there. How did that uh, affect the taste for you? Um, not much. Tony's doing the Memphis Munch. I gotta tell you, Quebec Chomp. There's a there's a there's a there's a slight sting. On the tip of the tongue. There's some heat in the chest. That's it. This is, I'm sorry, this is wonderful. And there's a bunch happening. There's a multiplicity of flavors happening here. And I don't know which one it is. It is floral. It does have uh, the caramel uh, to it. Uh, You go through reviews and they'll talk about uh, prominent oak. I don't know if that's what that is. No. I know I want to play with it a little bit more. I'm willing to try it in a couple more places. I'm not willing to spend $169 a bottle on. No. Absolutely not. Um, if someone pours it for you, should you be excited and try it? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, absolutely, positively. But there are thi- I think it's just maybe a question of who we are. Old granddad or this? I think there's more. Oh, idea. old granddad. The 114. And, yeah, and people, I'm sure, will scoff at that. O- uh, but. O- over the weekend, I had an Angel's Envy. It was, it was just terrific. It was just absolutely terrific. This has some serious complexity. This is playing around. I'm enjoying the daylights out of it. Um, that stag that we had last week was fantastic. The stag we had last week was absolutely, stag junior, was absolutely fantastic. But let us move on uh, to the smoke, if you don't mind. We're doing it. Uh, this is the Opus X Fuente Fuente. Now, to answer the question, yes, we have reviewed the Opus X before. The Lost we City. We did the Lost City. I just looked it up. Almost a year ago. And so I said, okay, I want to bring it back. The other day I had the Opus X 2015. And I got to tell you, I was unbelievably surprised at how much I enjoyed this. This is uh, the Fuente Fuente uh, version of it. It's a double Corona. So six and five eighths, or yeah, by, by about 49 ring gauge. Um, the the uh, wrapper on this, the binder, the filler, this is, if I have it right, this is all Fuente uh, Sangron Rosada. And it's all the, the first way ever Dominican Puro. Right? Is that what, you, is that what your, uh, your app is telling you? Yeah. I, I noticed by looking, it looks like it's a uh, Colorado Maduro wrapper. It is not. Stop it. You're just being the... Don't mock... Wait, no, it's not. It is, it is a Sangron wrapper. Wait, it might be. It might be the color. It is. Wait, is the wrapper color is Colorado Maduro. But the wrapper itself. That's Domin- it's pure Dominican. Is the what I'm talking is Dominican. about. Thank you so very much. I hate you both so much. They both have the same app for categor- cataloging the cigars that they smoke. 
And now all of a sudden it's like, well, Tony, now as you know, <laughs> my app says so. So clearly I'm an expert. You're killing me. It does me. feel like a full strength cigar, though. I'm going to punch <laughs> you. So help me. So help me. Roughly uh, uh, $23. Uh, more. Yeah. Um, and, and this is here at Blend, Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is $19.99 a stick. Absolutely worth the 20 bucks if you want to step it up and get into some levels of, of, of complexity. Of course, you're going to have, this is Dominican all the way through. You're going to have spice. That happens all the way uh, through. But you're also going to get some other things in there, some things of the earth. You're going to get some peanut. You're going to get some, some coffee uh, in, the, in there as well. I argue that this might be a pretty good pairing with what it is that we're smoking. Right, with what we're drinking, I should say. This smoke is pretty good with what, we, what we're drinking. Opus X will work anytime you need to give a gift. It'll work anytime you're celebrating something. You want something a bit out of the norm. Nice place to go. Mainly because people know the name, mm-hmm. right? But it's actually a cigar worth smoking. And it has, it, like, an impress factor, kind of. Oh, no, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. You get somebody in Opus X, they will be, ooh. This is the first time we've uh, smoked a cigar. It isn't? I don't remember having a cedar wrapper. Right? I've There are plenty of cigars that come this way. It's almost like... Half the cigar is wrapped in cedar. I don't know if this is done as a way, as a way like you're supposed to light the cedar and then light your cigar. That's why they do it. If, they're ha- if they think it has something to do with, with uh, humidity, whether they think it's just a good look, I have no, I have no clue why they wrap it uh, in the cedar from time to time. They do on this one. I've never tried lighting it with the cedar, and I've actually never seen it done. Usually when people use cedar, um, there are cedar sticks and then you, you, they have them there, and then you light them, and then you light your cigar with, with that. Me, it's so often just a torch. I just find it so much easier. It works great. Uh, I, get a, I get a solid burn all the way Do through. Do you notice a flavor? I, what, what, what is the theory behind the cedar versus a torch? I mean, what? I, I think it's, it's a more natural way. It's always, that's always the way it's been described to me. An expert might tell you a little bit differently if there's something different that you get out of it. Uh, if, you're, if you're lighting from a Bic, listen, any, any port in a storm, I get you. But if you're going to Ted Cruz the thing and light in a, you know, from, a, from a Bic, I do think that you're messing with the flavor a, a little bit. I, feel, I don't feel that way about a torch, though. And I, and I can tell you I have definitely tasted the difference before. I'm not sure if the cedar makes it that much better, that much stronger, that much more pure. I can't. And I can't be that guy because it's wholly um, inconvenient. A torch yeah. is convenient. It is inconvenient. It's inconvenient to do a match. It's inconvenient to do a cedar. It really and truly is. That's why I, I like this. But the cigar, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm still into the, to the first third. The spice hits. The spice punches. Spice, and then I am getting coffee off of it. A little bit of coffee. I, I'm really enjoying it. Colorado coffee? Yes, Colorado coffee. Well, I don't think... You know what? <laughs> you hate You're me. both. You're both the worst people in the world. Who, who's worse? <laughs> Uh, fingers and April or, or Harry and Megan. Vote now. That's right. Send in your tweets to April D. Gregory. Uh, an update to Harry and Megan. The Royals. They lost their titles. And damn straight. Now, they say they ab- they, they've given up the titles. They will no longer be uh, His Royal Highness or Her Royal Highness. They will just be the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Right. Uh, I think this was the deal with the Queen. I think yeah, the Queen absolutely. is way more pissed than, than everybody is letting on. Absolutely. They're putting on the smiley face. For the world and why this matters, you don't get to take what isn't yours and try and profit off of it. I don't like these two at all. 
I think the, the more I hear, the less I like. I I I completely disagree. I like I listened to uh, Harry's speech uh, over the weekend at a what press. What did Harry say? Um, he said, uh, you know, after we got married, um, it became more and more evident that we could not live our lives with our family the way with their son the way that they wanted to be able to live (laughs) shut up we're all allowed to live like live and let live dude live free or die right like we are the we are the people of independence and we're gonna tell him he can't freaking live his life with his family i feel horrible no um he's still gonna he's still a part of the queen's family but he says you know what i made the decision this is not how i want my wife and child to have to live and that said, part was don't always understand. fine. Yeah. That part was always good. And they, that you wanted the money and the titles and everything else makes no, you garbage. No, they didn't. Yeah, we're, how, why, are you, why do you think that they wanted that? They were up for whatever. Well, if they were up for whatever, they would have worked it out and then made an announcement. No, they made an announcement and made the queen scramble. And I'm on the queen's side. Stare down the Nazis. You're my, you're my, you're my lady. You're Come my on. lady. The her, way that monarchy and, is and ran Margaret is Thatcher. ridiculous. That's a threesome. No, you can't even compare her to <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. Oh, my God. <laughs> Margaret just rolled in her grave. Unbelievable. I really feel bad for Megan. She had no idea what she was getting into. <laughs> no, but you know what? You just really don't. And you know what? Good for them for taking care of their family. Absolutely. Good, Good for, for them. Good for him for being it's, like, you know what? I don't want her to have to go through this. I don't I, want my child to have to be raised this as way. As long as they're not taking the money. As long as they're not profiting off the titles, including profiting off of Duke and Duchess of Sussex, then everything is good. If they're she going wants to, to profit because of who they are. If she wants to go make you a living, make if she wants not. to go make a living being an actress, if she's going to get, of course, gigs out of this because of who she is, she I can't was stop on that. Suits like that's right. Oh no, I, I'm already, totally fine. She already with that. gave up. She already Basic willingly cable. gave up her acting career. Well, I think she's going to come back to him. the acting. She career. might. But right, but fine. Okay, whatever. This this is the plot for a terrible Disney movie. Some a girl meets her prince, and he fell in love with her, and he gave up his royal title to be with her and to Dude, live a normal is life. How do you think the queen became the queen? This is crap. I this feel is sorry not for crap. any of them. Why could, w- he could have? They could have figured out a way to li- li- uh, live a low key life out of the spotlight as much as possible. No, the rules. The rules won't let them do that. This was the only way they could live a low key life was to break with the rules. Because oh. there's no such thing as being a senior royal and living a low key life out of the spotlight. You are in the spotlight so now, for so, life. So now that they step out, are, are they hiring? Like, is the family hiring new senior royals? <laughs> yes, go to ZipRecruiter and uh, you honestly, can become a royal. I'd like to try out. I, I think I, I can wave. I can wave. You know, I, I, mean, I, I can't bow, I can though. be sister-wise with Kate. That's fine. Really? I would totally do it. You would do sister-wise? Uh, not sure what Think I'm, of the burden. You, you'd be the Chloe Sevigny of that relationship? I don't know what that means, but... I, I, I went like big love. Like a Utah love. thing. I went big love. Yeah, that's what, that's what I did. I went with a Utah thing. Not Mormonism, a Utah thing. <laughs> Way to go, April. I, oh. I, I just, you know, I, I almost weep thinking about the burden of, of, you know, ribbon cuttings and the things that these royals have to do. I, it, it, They're not opening up a used car lot. Yeah, they they are. do Rib- things. Ribbon cutting. Oh, please. Get oh, up. Get up get they do things like get murdered in a tunnel by press. Because the queen said so in the middle of the night, in the middle of whoa, August. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
<laughs> because the queen <laughs> said the so? The queen ordered it. Hold on. The queen ordered it. Oh, you know what to do. That is. <laughs> hey, everybody thinks Hold that on, I no. say it. Stop. That's awful. That's a, No. The Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, did not order the death of Diana. How do you, you insane. Yeah. How do I know? Really? Because really? I know. Yeah, they prove needed, it, Tony. Without proof, Tony they just needed said an that heir. The prove that they she needed did a spare. It. Wait a second. Go the other way. They needed an heir. They needed a spare. And Charles didn't want her. He wanted Camilla. Got to get rid of her somehow. You can't just have Hold a divorce. Hold on a second. First, you're criminally insane. First of all, I'm not you're, insane. I, Everybody I'm knows this. I'm trying to save I'm the podcast from being kicked off Apple Podcasts. Do you mind? I'm literally saying it out I'm loud. I'm trying to save Everybody. my career here. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there was no spare that came from Charles and Diana. Harry is not he's Charles' still, kid. Well, oh, now you're doing the same thing. No, I no, know, no. but he's still the spare. I'm, I've always said this. Harry is not Charles' we've kid. We've all always said this. Chloe so is not the Kardashians' always, kid. We had this conversation last week. Good God. Thank God they're going to be so out of the spotlight now and you know, be able to raise their child in a way that they won't have this burden on them. They're, going to, be, they're going to be wealthy. They're going to be just as tabloid hunted as they were before it's they gave different. up the title. It's different when you're, you, the rules they have to live by are absurd. Now, Ugh, by the way. God, get up in the morning and go to a factory. Stop it. Stop it. I got to hear about how to burn I them. don't know. You don't even understand the rules. I Megan did not understand the rules before she got in there. You get in there and you go through fucking freaking rules boot camp. What are you doing? <laughs> now you're going to clean it up? I mean, look at <laughs> Look at poor Kate. She has to eat oh, a lettuce leaf for lunch. She had to be skinny oh. Four days after popping out a baby. Like, it's so no, ridiculous she the didn't. way you had to live. No, she didn't have to do anything. You think William said, hey, good work on the kid. This is now not. Now get on the treadmill. It's not William's choice. Right? It is Did he get the, her a Peloton? You have to. Yes. You have to be. <laughs> there's a whole. Dip, the monarchy is a whole different thing. We don't understand. We don't understand oh. the rules. It's not an everyday family. It is a business and it is an extremely uh, we, ridiculous business. We could always see Fergie's abs. What, what is this? <laughs> She's not a senior royal. She's not a senior. Oh, the queen also has great abs. That's right. Oh, my God. She has a Bowflex. <laughs> Does oh that jazzercise. I hate you all. No, I feel bad for them. Uh, Go back to the gym. Don't forget to subscribe to Eat, Drink, Smoke. He's getting ready to be a senior royal. That's why he's at the (laughs) gym. Yeah, I went to the gym and then I went to Subway, just like all the other royals. Eat, Drink, Smoke, Apple Podcasts, write a review. Leave a five-star review here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, Houston, Nashville, Pittsburgh, blendbarcigar.com. Absolutely fantastic place to go have a cigar, a bachelor party, a bridal shower, uh, you name it. You can do it here at Blend Bar Cigar, and the bourbon selection is remarkable. Check it out for yourself. Michelle Obama in the news. She didn't do anything. She's in the news because Trump has rolled back the school lunch nutrition rules that Michelle Obama had helped usher into place. It was a big story about five years ago where it was changing school lunches and the kids basically weren't able to get enough to eat. They were told the certain things they were, they were allowed to have and they were taking pictures and posting on social media. This is what we got served for lunch. And it was... It was mush, and it was struggle nonsense. plates. What struggle plates. That's what they were. I, I one of the I think the mistakes the political right made when dealing with Michelle Obama is that when she was talking about this whole let's move program, right? Every, every first lady has one. Melania Trump, it's be best. 
right? Uh, Nancy was just say no. I don't know what it was for for Laura Bush. I don't I don't recall. So, um, I think it was something about reading. I think it was something about literacy. Um, but for for Michelle Obama, it was let's move. It's about getting kids off the couch and exercising. Why in the world was a political right ever opposed to such a thing? That's a totally good idea. Should have been behind it. And I think that Obama, Barack Obama, was such this overarching force, and it was such a problem politically that you couldn't find ways to to do it. But we should have. And one of the things I think that should be learned from 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 that miss is that we should we should be able to find ways to support good ideas. Yeah, we Getting, don't have to be outraged about everything just because it came from Obama or because it came from the left. There might be something we can just be like, okay, whatever. Because every first lady has initiative. Every second lady has initiative. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that initiative. And when and, and we're watching right now. Kids are obese all, everywhere, the, all I, over America. The Kids way are obese. Melania Trump gets treated, you, you should, there, 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 there is no Time magazine cover for Melania Trump. Yeah. Oh, we refuse to dress her for uh, the inauguration or this, that, or the, all of these things. They're, it's, it's sad. It's just ridiculous. It's unnecessary for us to be, for us to be like that. Should have been supportive of Let's Move. It was a good idea. Getting kids off a couch is a good idea. It is a good idea. Well, it's not that you have but, to be like so vocally supportive of it. Just don't rag on it. Well, I think where people got upset about it was when she ventured into the school lunch Correct. stuff. But that's a different subject. And it's okay to say, hey, I'm with you that kids should be exercising more. But don't tell people what they should be eating. That's a mistake. It was, it's an easy thing to do. You see how we're doing it? We just did it. There it is. This was a mistake. That it... First, I, I got to admit, I'm one of the people who is not happy with school breakfasts and school dinners and the idea that the school is the place to feed your children. That's a real societal problem. And it leads to the idea that government is the place you go for these things. And that's my issue. Right. My issue with well, the and bailouts. The issue is that the federal government is the one correct. taking care of the school lunches, which should be a local thing. Well, so you're talking about lunches. I have no problem with lunch because in the main people buy lunch and I have no problem with getting kids lunch who can't afford it. No, I don't have a problem I'm with that either. I'm saying like specifically when the that. government is saying this is how we're doing lunch program. Right. This is what you can eat. This is what you cannot. No, at the very least, it should be controlled locally. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think more. I would be a guy who gets rid of the Department of Education. I want to return education to the states. I actually want to return education to the municipalities is where I want it to be. The Department of Education has never proven that we're better off because of them. What they've proven is through the Department of Education, they can better control your kid and therefore you. And that's valueless. And we should get rid of it and we should change how we do education. There's a whole conversation about prison reform, right? And the, the, the First Step Act. And there's this, these two members of the Pennsylvania legislature, a man and a woman, white woman, black man, who have been working on prison reform and getting things done in Pennsylvania. It's pretty fantastic. We have to ask ourselves when it comes to prison, what do we want of people when they get out of prison? Because if we want to just throw them in jail and lock, lock them in jail and throw away the key, if we want them to suffer, that's great. When they come out, they don't know anything. And they're going to come out. So what is it that you want from them? So one of the things they've been working on, I think it's them, is the idea of prisoners being able to utilize the skills that they learned in prison to get licenses, to make it easier for them to get licensed. Uh, now, I'm opposed <laughs> to all licensing. Sure. Don't get me wrong. Licensing is giving up your rights and then buying it back from the government. But if they learn auto mechanics, if they learn uh, to be a cosmetologist or whatever the case may be, and pick your thing. Why not be able to use that education to get a license so they can get a job? That's smart 
rethinking and we have to rethink it all because what we're doing isn't working. So let's, why, that should not be a political thing. If that's like something that has to be politically right or politically left, we're nuts. Well, I think part of the problem too is, you know, we've talked about on immigration how we, we can't even agree whether we should have borders. Right. When it comes to prison, we can't agree on how much of it is punishment, how much of it is rehabilitation. Are you walking a tightrope between punishment and rehabilitation plus the deterrent factor? So it's it's complicated to get it's hard to get everyone on board because they all have their little their, their feelings about prison and what it should be. But we can say but that clearly there, it's not working. There are definitely different levels of crimes. We're not talking about the serial murderer here. We're talking about the somebody who stole $2,000 from a store, right? Goods or, or, or whatever. We're talking about somebody who stole your car. They did that for a reason. It could have been for drug money. It could have been for whatever, right? Many of those people, I think we can agree, there's a, there's a larger than 50% portion that could be, quote unquote, rehabilitated, which is to say they serve their sentence, they do their time to society, and then we bring them back into the world because we should want to bring them back in the world. When we talk about somebody who goes to fight with ISIS, we shouldn't bring them back. No. They lose their citizenship. They're done. Never come back. And there are Scandinavian countries that are having huge issues with this. Uproars over people who went to go fight for ISIS coming back and being welcomed back. We had it with, with people who were, you know, kids who went over. Teenagers who are now they're pregnant. And they want to come back. The answer, no, you don't get to come back. Even if you were a teenager, the answer is no, you must draw that line. It's, it's a different line than saying we have people who are in prison for a whole myriad of, of subjects and we want them to get back into the world. I've even rethought the, the, the box, which is on an application, have you ever been incarcerated? Right? So there's a box. And there are a lot of people who say you shouldn't have the box. They shouldn't have to answer that question because very often they get left out in the cold. I rethink it only in this, in this context because I want them to get jobs. But maybe what we need to do is rethink whether or not the box should be the thing that immediately knocks you out. It has to be what it is. And then can you show what you did in prison? Hey, I did this. And then I spent four years in prison. And now I have a degree in this and I can do that for you. Show people the value because it's a value of our tax dollar and what we get out of it. I'm not talking about programming people. I'm not talking about forced labor or anything like that. But shouldn't we get a value out of the prison system other than just getting somebody off the streets? Right. And yeah, we should. Because yeah, otherwise we should. they're going to go back out to the streets and, and do crap. So this goes back to Michelle Obama and the lunch program. That's where we started. She was always wrong about telling kids what to eat for lunch. It was a bad idea. It was, fo it was forced social justice. It was forced social engineering. And I'm not in favor of that. The, giving people opportunities to learn things and to grow in prison. You're there. What do we want out of it? What should they want out of it? How do we create a better society? That's one thing. Are you equating school to prison? No. I'm saying that when we force, you cannot Are force Are we equating things. school to prison? No. As a country? Um, yes. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> but you can't force things on the kids because one size does not fit all. It doesn't one size fit all on education, and it doesn't one size fit all on food. Well, I would also ask the question... Were there any tangible results from this program? I mean, I don't know when it started, but I'm assuming it started at the beginning of President Obama's first term. So you had I six, was... seven years. Did childhood obesity in this country go down at all? No. No, no. Can we no, ever I have an examination what? of I, I, I these policies? I, 
your question is a good one. I don't have the, the stats, so I can't say no. Uh, I can't speak to it with specificity. But that is a question. Did we get a result? What, one of the biggest American problems, and I should say this is a problem politically of the political left, they rank a program based on the program, not on its result. That's a Thomas Sowell line. We have to base it on, on the result. They base it on the intention. So, for example, we talk about food stamps. And uh, I think the Trump administration made some maneuvers with food stamps, and it, some people were then taken off of food stamps. The political left went out of their minds on the subject. Do we really think that the food stamp program is, is working based on the number of people who are on it? Shouldn't it be based on the number of people who are off it? That's a much better way to think of the program. But that isn't the way the political left works it. And I think that's a mistake. We should not raise base programs based on their good intentions, based on their, on their, well, here's what we hope to do. No, it has to be based, as you're talking about, Fingers, on what actually happened. The change that's happening now through uh, Sonny Perdue, who's the Secretary of Agriculture, it makes it easier for cafeterias to offer a la carte entrees and allows for more varieties of vegetables to meet nutritional requirements. So there used to be a requirement that there had to be certain, uh, a certain amount of orange vegetables uh, offered. So we had pairings? You had to have carrots, tomatoes, or butternut squash, squash. But now you can use potato products such as french fries. So that's getting considered as a vegetable. You will not get me to disagree that we shouldn't have kids eating french fries all day. But if you can have more pizza in school and less, I don't know, trout, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. It's fine. Maybe the conversation should be how many people are telling their kids to just buy lunch versus how many kids, parents make lunch for their kids. And what about all the millennials that we've heard about? The thing, we've talked about it here. Millennials in drinking, they drink less. They want craft drinks that are non-alcoholic. When they do drink, they want to know the story of what it is that they're drinking. They want to know where it was made. They want to know how healthy it is for you. They want to know about its natural ingredients. We don't think that has a trickle-down effect. We don't think kids know uh, to some level of extent, hey, man, I know this pizza's bad for me. Hey, I know these fries are bad for me. And they, and they don't always eat that thing? No, I think a lot of kids don't know that uh, because that's just what they have in their houses. Now, I wish, I wish these kids could... Um, I wish they could eat healthier, but it's not the the government's job to force it down on them. And one of the big things that has been happening is these kids are just throwing the food away. So you have all this food waste because they don't want to eat the broccoli. They don't want to eat the the whatever the whatever the the, uh, the rice and mushrooms instead of pizza. You know they want to eat the pizza. So you, so what do you have here? You have either you're giving them the healthy broccoli which they're throwing away, or you're giving them the french fries and pizza, which they'll eat. Nothing stops the school from offering broccoli. And I'm not saying that the schools can't be more creative with a menu. Uh I'm making the argument that that's up to the municipality and should never come from the federal government. Absolutely, Let them decide. There are plenty of municipalities that can say, no, we think we can do this. We think we can do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Give me a school that takes part of their lawns. Drive by a school. In, here in central Indiana. They've got lawns. They've got grass everywhere. It's, it's, it's madness. Why aren't we creating gardens in schools? I've always said about my front lawn, I do not need a front lawn. Grass is stupid. So, um, turn, If someone wants to take my lawn and turn it into a garden, just give me 10% of the vegetables, I'm sorry. Oh, and so, the HOA would go nuts. Yeah. Where do you think I live? 
in an HOA. So what you're saying <laughs> is actually happening. So Kimball Musk, the brother of Elon Musk. Who's got restaurants here in Indianapolis. Who has restaurants here in Indianapolis and all over. He's a restaurateur, but he also has a, an initiative called the Big Green Initiative. And what they do is they go into inner city schools and plant gardens and teach the kids is how to gr- yeah brilliant yeah but we see, have a few here in india and they're all over the country and they're and they're becoming more and more as cities are working with them they're becoming more and more pro- uh, in cities more and more prolific and he's teaching them how to grow vegetables and once the kids and i've seen this with my own kid too is like when they are growing the food themselves and they're learning how to do it and they're involved themselves then they do want to eat the vegetables so if, right. if local municipalities um could get involved themselves and um, kind of have their own initiative of let's plant this garden let's learn about vegetables and then they could get the kids to eat vegetables better that way good but I oppose the name Big Green Initiative if you told me it was the Big Garden Initiative I'm in right because the Big Green Initiative has too much political baggage to it but the Big Garden Initiative tell me the person on the political right who's opposed to this idea and I will show you a fool I will show you a fool. What a ridiculous thing to be opposed to. But that, but this is what happens. They hear Big Green Initiative, and then people will immediately retreat right. to their tribe, and that's it. When that's a smart idea. Yeah, that's it's, it's good. a great idea. But government, it, all these things always come back to government shouldn't do it, because government can't do it. Government centralized anything leads to a problem. Most everything. How about most everything? Leads to a problem. It does. Why can't we just say that? Michelle Obama's plan was a bad plan, and it didn't work. Well, and, and she just, you know, most of that comes from her. She just wants her name stamped on something. So she has her own legislation type thing, right? So, so, so when, when Trump, go ahead. When Trump comes out with this, did you see, did you see the headlines? <laughs> he did it on her birthday. Right. He rolled it back on her birthday. <laughs> that was the headline. <laughs> that was... And supposedly it had nothing to do with her birthday. <laughs> Oopsie. You think that in the White House, in the bowels of the White House, they're like, how do we screw over Michelle Obama on her birthday? How do we make it a very yeah, unhappy have, birthday? I could have announced this any other day, but being the biggest troll ever that he is, God bless him. You think they did it on purpose? You could have done oh. it any other day. <laughs> There's 366 days this year. It didn't just happen to are randomly a, come out. We are in a leap year. We are in a leap year. It didn't just happen to randomly come yeah, out. On they, sh- <laughs> they should have done it three years ago. They should have done it three years ago. It would three have been years ago on her birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're doing the, uh, the, the Opus X. The Fuente Fuente Opus X. Fingers Malloy, you're on the second third. Where are you on this? I think they should have uh, called it the Fuente Fuente Fuente. Right. Like the Tony Tony Tony. Uh, Where are you on going the cigar? Going back on the 80s. Uh, I, I like it. I, I, again, the coffee, a little bit of a coffee note on it, and uh, the spice. I, I, I'm happy. April, you've got a you've got a cold. I've got a cold. I noticed so you're doing I the whole 30, and you have a cold. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, well, my kid had been sick, so I, eventually it was going to happen to me. Um, so I can't really detect the different things, but I am picking up lots of spice, lots of flavor, and, you know, those are things I love in... A cigar, so this is a very good cigar for me. So this, the, the double Corona that we're smoking, was the 2005 cigar of the year. I will tell you that if I so have, so is a, this the 15th anniversary one? No. Okay. No, not the, no, not that I not that I know of. Okay. Um, the 2015, the Opus X 2015, I would say to you was a much better smoke, but it's also 50 bucks. Mm. 
I mean, it was a, I was, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. This is too much pepper for me. Mm. It's too, don't get me wrong, I'm going to keep smoking it. Mm -hmm. But this on the first third is, it's just overpowering. There's nothing else going on. But if you like this kind of thing, Uh do it. It's definitely starting to smooth out as I get going, as I'm going. You see, I'm just starting the the second third. I'm not there. I am not there in any smooth out whatsoever. But I'm also a little muted today, so. Wait a second. Maybe it's maybe it's a good thing. You know, I've got I've got the bourbon. I had some coffee. I've got a water. Maybe that's doing it to me. But it's I I I think I'm good enough to know the difference. It's it's just more spice than I enjoy because I do enjoy spice and. In a, in a cigar. Uh, there's a story I want everyone to start keeping an eye on. And it's the story of faithless electors. This is now at the Supreme Court. This is going to be fascinating. So there were two states. One Colorado and one Washington state. 2016. So the Electoral College. You vote. You vote for a slate of electors. They go and vote for president. In most every case, the elector goes along with the popular vote. The popular vote selects the electors, whether Republican or Democrat, let's say. And then they go and they vote for president. And they vote based on that. But there was an elector in Colorado. Was it supposed to be Hillary Clinton? They voted for John Kasich. And there were three electors in Washington state who voted for Colin Powell. The state of Colorado threw that elector out and put in another elector. Washington state allowed those electors to vote the way they wanted to, but they fined those electors. They received monetary fines. The elector sued and said, you can't do this to us. It went to the courts. The, the court in Washington state, the Supreme Court, said the law required them to conform to the popular vote. They appealed to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. They said, oh, no, 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 no. Electors can vote for any legitimate candidate. This is now in front of the Supreme Court. The argument people want to make is that this can quite literally upend the Electoral College system because the electors are free to vote for anybody Mm -hmm. they choose. I am someone who believes, and now I'm I'm willing to listen to, to the legal experts. I'm willing to have this conversation. I believe electors can actually vote for anybody they choose. I believe the electors, you vote for the electors, the electors vote. You have to know who your electors are. The argument made is that the state has the right to choose the elector. The state does not have the right to decide the vote for the elector. That's where I think the Tenth Circuit was. Well, this case is fascinating because I think people are jumping the gun. The mass preponderance of electors will vote based on that popular vote, and they're not going to get swayed. Now, there could be a question whether electors start getting threatened. You don't vote for the Democrat. You don't vote for this one or that one. You vote for Trump, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, right? Harassment, et cetera. That's possible. But the question of does the elector have the right to choose, I actually think they do. And so I'm fascinated where this case can go. I mean, that was one of the... After the election, yeah, that, that was one of the great big hopes, wasn't it? I, remembering back then, it was, well, maybe some of these electors will, will vote for Hillary Clinton instead of going along and voting for Donald Trump. That was one of the messages that was, was coming from the left. Boy, I, I see what you're saying, but this could open up a huge can of worms. I, uh, yes. Threatening voters, uh, threatening electors, uh, 
the, the way the system has been for the longest time, if, it, it, if you say you live in Indiana and you vote for Donald Trump and the popular vote, Donald Trump wins the popular vote in Indiana and you got four people who peel off and vote for, say, Elizabeth Warren, if she could, boy, I, this could lead to a lot of ugliness. Undoubtedly, which is a little weird. Sometimes the Supreme Court makes a decision not to take a case. And what they've been famous for over the past decade plus is not taking cases on the Second Amendment. You know, we're coming full circle here on to guns. They don't take Second Amendment cases. And it's been very frustrating for, for, for gun rights people. The point and the value of them not taking a case is that if they don't know how things are going to play out, maybe it's better for your Second Amendment rights that you're not bringing it to a court that could decide maybe you have less Second Amendment rights. right? So there's sometimes a, a bit of good that, that comes from this. Taking this case, I, I don't know if it changes the way electors are going to... It's not all of a sudden that they're going to be free. It could be that states now get much more specific, or the groups that select the electors get much more specific in who they choose. Maybe that starts to matter a whole bunch more, and maybe it creates an opportunity to ensure that you're bringing in the people who are actually going to represent the preponderance of that state. I'm a believer in the Electoral College. Well, let's play this out, too. Say if it's a very close election in Electoral College, and listen, I, I don't know how this would work, but say enough voters peel away from one candidate where nobody gets to 270. Well, then there's a, there's a whole system for that. There's a whole system uh, if, if, if nobody gets uh, to so 270. the state, you know, it's not just like random people are the elector. The state political parties choose who they want. So uh, a random candidate... Uh, you know, if, if Bernie wants to go rogue because Warren gets the nomination and, and uh, he wants to go rogue and try to get the electors, I mean, you have to convince all these state political parties to choose elector, electors that would defect, right? So it, it would take a mass operation to get them to do this. So the system as it is right now is if no one gets to 270, the House of Representatives makes this choice. Each congressional delegation gets one vote. So, for example, in Indiana, where we are, there are nine nine, uh, members of Congress. Seven of them are Republicans. Two of them are Democrats. So they together, as a delegation, will get together and they vote. Seven Republicans, two Democrats. You assume it would be a Republican. The Republican candidate gets one vote. Or the candidate of their choosing gets one because they don't have to necessarily go for the Republican but you would make the assumption. Well so it's not the actual congressperson making the vote. It's not, the actual congressperson votes and then whatever that vote is amongst that congressional delegation the person who gets the most votes gets, gets the one from the state of Indiana. In California it's 55. Right? So the 55 of them get together. They have a vote and then whoever gets the most votes they get one vote. That's how it that's how the system works. And therefore, and then the first person to 26 wins. That's how uh, that, that goes. That, so they've got a system, right, for how that happens. But if you allow, if your argument is that if the electors are allowed to do what they want, you might have more of this. Maybe. They, um, w- but what I was saying is they're not going to do what they want because they're already chosen by the political parties to do what the party itself and wants. So you point. would have to... Uh, but, 
you and the the political party is not going to pick um, someone who might go rogue to be the elector. But so, but say if your national political party isn't thrilled with who got the nomination, right? Right. So yes, so it would be a mass operation where the national party would have to get the state parties to pick people or convince the state party electorates to do it. So it's a big, it would be a big operation, bigger than the way they got Hillary into the nomination last time. And think of, in this just example, and, and maybe there are other states I don't know the, the answers to, right? I don't know if there are others. We're talking about four electors. We're talking about four, right? So it isn't something that happens a lot. It isn't something that's creating mass hysteria. But this time. 2020? We're talking about, you know, the 2016 election. Right. If the Supreme Court were to rule in in that way, this could be something else in the toolbox for a party to try to use to try to change the outcome of an an election. I don't don't, don't disagree. I I do not not, uh, disagree on that. They could... They could just try to decide that. I mean, just look at the the Republican side for a second. We had a very vocal minority uh, who were never Trump. Right. I don't know. You know much more about this process than I do, April. But uh, if you were very uh, never Trump, but you were elected as an elector on the Republican side... Uh-huh. And say the so here's the thing. The, if I were very never Trump, the party would not have picked me to be an elector. When is that decision made? Uh, to be an elector, I think it. Well, I'm not sure. Sometime in the fall, but I mean, so it would have to get through all these people who the party is just trying to toe the party line, right? They're not going to pick somebody like me if I am never Trumper, which I'm not. Too okay. You have much more faith in the party and their vetting processes than i do yeah i mean they're they're gonna do right because they don't first of all the parties don't want to become like if they do something crazy and pull a a pull something like this you're gonna have a lot of people not being democrats anymore if the democratic party tries to do this so what do you mean why it would change the way because it's shady. This is not how it should work. I mean, it's gonna. It would. It would break a party for this to happen. For them. For enough electorates to completely um, go electors. against electors to go against the party. It would take the party operations going against the DNC. Or and I'm with you on this. I don't see it becoming a mass thing. I don't. I see it happening in little bits here and there. Not en masse. Mm-hmm. But the question that I think, the, I think the question the Supreme Court has to answer is whether or not you are allowed to vote freely. And freely does not mean for one of the yeah, established theory, candidates you, are. you vote for whomever. Yeah, yeah, in theory you are allowed to vote freely. But at the same time, you're picked because they know who you're going to vote for. They, you're picked because there's a guarantee that you're the party head or you're the... The, the delegate to whatever. You are picked as an elector because they know who you're going to vote for and you're going to do what you're supposed to do. They don't just pick random people who might defect from party line to vote as an elector. So what you're saying is when you are going in to be an elector, you know your title and you know your role. Yeah, they pick people who will yes. toe, 
toe the line. They so don't pick a rope. It's kind of like a woman who knows when she's marrying into a royal family what she's getting into. <laughs> wow. No. He worked a long time for that <laughs> setup. Do not Give know. him some credit. <laughs> right there. Um, according to National Archives, archives.gov, throughout the history, more than 99% of electors have voted as pledged. So I, I still think the elector can do what they want. I, I think that's... I think there, there. I think there's a level of importance in that, um, but I don't think it's going to be. I, I, I can't imagine mass swings. I just, I just yeah, because the people who are electors are the purest, the loyalists, the people who do what the party wants them to do. I'm not talking about. I'm worried. I'm not worried about fifty of them peeling away. But what if you only need seven? What if you only need nine in fifty states to change the outcome of an election? You're, you're not asking the wrong question again. I'm going to go back to archives.gov. The Supreme Court, when, when they wrote this, has held that the Constitution does not require that electors be completely free to act as they choose. Therefore, political parties may extract pledges from electors to vote for the party's nominees. Some, some states provide that this concept of faithless electors may be subject to fines or may be disqualified for casting an invalid vote and may be replaced by a substitute elector. So now they're, they're going to decide this. So there's a part two of this, which is a conversation of states' rights. Can the Supreme Court actually engage this on a, on a federal level and take away the rights of the states to decide to engage or enact fines or, or, or do uh, the, these other things? Well, and the fine means nothing. I mean, honestly, if, if you change your vote, there's going to be a block of people out there who would love to, to start a GoFundMe to pay your fine. <laughs> I GoFundMe. hate GoFundMe. It's so fabulous. <laughs> oh, Did we see that is... GoFundMe story about the Target girl? No, what the hell? Oh my gosh! Did you see it? Yes, you a, didn't see this. No, a a, a journalist. The, a journalist. A, a, I don't. I forget. A TV. I forget. Uh, anyway, a journalist. Okay, blue go. Check I, mark. Now I know the story. Go ahead. Blue check mark. Um, Twitter he, blue check Twitter mark. mark. So he's verified. Verified important or something. Um, he goes into Target to and buys sees a misprinted uh, label on a. Not the actual item itself, but like the stand, the the display, and it has a expensive electric toothbrush labeled as one cent, and so he goes to try to buy it for one cent, and the the manager girl who was you know probably just some low level manager was like, no, I'm not selling you this for for one cent. I can't do that. Right. And he throws a fit, takes puts, a picture of her. Right. Takes a picture of this poor twenty something year old girl. And, and blasts it all over Twitter and says, I should be able to get this for one cent. And she won't, this manager won't let me have it, blah, 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 blah. Well, everybody was like, dude, you're a jerk. Right. You're having this jerk meltdown on Twitter. Like, delete this. This makes you look horrible. Nobody thinks, and he's going on and on about how I haven't been able to, go to afford the dentist in two years. Uh, meanwhile, somebody enterprising on Twitter finds the tweet from two years ago where it shows like, oh, I'm in the dentist's waiting room, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he gets destroyed on Twitter because he's being a complete jerk to this girl who's just doing her job. And then uh, someone else starts to go fund me for her. And I, last I had seen, it was over $20,000. It was, let's, 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 let's send, send her, her on, on a vacation. vacation. Because he was blasting her and being a complete jerk. You see, both sides of this are criminally insane. He's a complete jerk. Let's call him a complete jerk. She doesn't have to go on vacation because of it. Now, I will admit, 
people were just being nice. Like she had no clue what was going on. Yeah, but but Twitter's like, let's be nice to her. I agree with you, but she was being publicly shamed on Twitter, and her face yeah. was no, pl- pl- by one person. Everybody else was now shaming him. She's the hero. She's she's right, but the if someone's hero. Like, let's send her on vacation. Right. They didn't think it was going to raise. I mean, they didn't think it was going to raise. They, I think they were trying to get like two thousand. Everybody's something. answer is give twenty bucks. That's it's always it's the scam pack answer. That's, <laughs> I, I don't know why that, that just that, nice. irks me. It does irk me. Well, he tried to make her the face of corporate America. All this. Oh corporation could have afforded to send uh, give me my toothbrush for a penny oh and on top of it he tried to make it sound like well dental yes, work is so expensive nowadays to go get a cleaning they've got places chain dentists now that you go for like 60 bucks or something hold for on a-, a second dentists are way too expensive it's out of control and secondly um it's not target's job to give you penny toothbrushes if they did they'd be out of business and then nobody gets toothbrushes. for a cleaning and an x-ray it is not crazy and this expensive. is a man with a job it's, it's, it's one se- yeah it's a man with a job and it's one cell phone bill a month that you could go get your teeth cleaned and get your x-rays done let's Five now yeah Starbucks okay if you need lattes. a yeah if you need a, a root canal or something yeah you're right it's crazy yeah. expensive but to, <laughs> Thank you. to get your teeth cleaned i, I please would, would you just offer free teeth cleanings you fingers. Well, that's going to be part of your campaign slogan when you run for Congress someday. Right. A chicken in every pot and a free dental cleaning for everyone. It's going to be raining Once dental cleaning. Once every cleanings. two years. You, you, you think my uh, political slogan would be a free dental cleaning? <laughs> Mine. Yeah. Clearly, you've not been listening to this podcast at all. It is uh, the rare. for everybody. Uh, now, now we're a talking. A cigar in every pot. <laughs> a rare perfection 15-year cast strength. Um, there's something to this. Not $169 worth, but there's something to this. And the cigar is the Fuente Fuente uh, Opus X. Too much spice. For me? Oh, perfect spice. For me, too much uh, spice. That's April D. Gregory right there. Find her on Twitter at April D. Gregory. Fingersmalloy.com is where you find all things Fingers Malloy related and his podcast and everything else. Me, TonyCats.com. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. Your job is to write a review for Eat, Drink, Smoke. Five-star review. Write a review. Tell your friends. Share it around. Get people listening to this podcast. And make sure you visit Blend Bar Cigar wherever you are. In Indianapolis, in Houston, in Pittsburgh, and in Nashville. BlendBarCigar.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs>